Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, I love messy and complicated women. Women like Kara Romero, the main character in the new book, How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water. She's full of life, funny and extremely open, but she's also flawed and isn't afraid to step in the muck. I got to speak with the book's author, Pittsburgher Angie Cruz, about how Kara resonates with readers in the Steel City and beyond. It's Monday, September 12th. I'm Meg Dalton, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. For those who haven't read it yet, how would you describe what How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water is all about? How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water is about um, this woman who's in her fi- late 50s, who's been unemployed from a job she had 25 years, and now has to start her life all over again. And she is in a senior workforce program where she meets with a job counselor for 11 sessions. And through this job training, she tells the story of her life. Mm. I guess like like the big plot of the book. However, I also think this book is about um, something we say in Spanish, which is called el desahogo. Desahogo is an undrowning that when we are given the opportunity Mm. to speak or tell our stories and we have a captive listener, we actually through the desahogo can work through our grief, our loss, Um, are difficult situations. And I think that those two things are really what makes up the book. I love that. I love how you described that. Um, So you live here in Pittsburgh, but you set your story in Washington Heights in New York City. How does your experience here in Pittsburgh influence what you write? So living outside of Washington Heights, you know, I had to move out of the neighborhood when I went and I took a job in Texas A&M for six years. And then I moved to Pittsburgh now for 13 years and living outside of Washington Heights where I grew up and I was born allows me to zoom the camera out and really see the neighborhood for everything that it is without being in the weeds of it, you know? And I do think that with writing, um, we need distance. So if something is really close to your heart, I always tell this to my students, if something's really close to your heart or you're still working through something, maybe you should wait before you write about it. And I do think that when I started traveling more and leaving the neighborhood that I love and, and I have been documenting in the four novels that I've written um, in my 20-year writing career, um, it's when I really was able to see these characters, this community, and what's happening with it. Up until recently, I lived in Hamilton Heights, not too far from Washington Heights. So I know that geography pretty well. Um, And I know you know this, but Pittsburgh, like New York City, is also a city of neighborhoods. As you were crafting this, what did the Washington Heights neighborhood mean to you? Like, what did you want people to know about it? I mean, I think every neighborhood means very different things to different people, right? So. I think for me, because, you know, a lot of my extended family still lives in the same apartment that I was born into, in the building, on the block, um, what it embodies is this community network, like interdependent community network that really shows up for each other. I wouldn't say that's what it means for other people, but I would say that in my experience of this neighborhood, when I'm here and I'm with family or when I need help, I feel like 
there's like a way that everyone's like taking care and watching each other. And I feel like this book embodies that too. Cara Romero, um, when I wrote her, what I understood through writing her is that she's showing up for people. There's a lot of ways she's incredibly flawed as a mother, as a sister, um, as a person. But even if she's flawed because maybe she's not the most progressive person in the world, <laughs> um, she is showing up and taking care of people and her actions are, are also speaking another truth about what her capacity is as a human. Why were those flaws important to you? And I guess, like, how did Kara come to you? You know, I don't, I don't think about why or how when I'm writing. I'm kind of following the character, in particular with Cara Romero. Like, Cara Romero came to me in 2017 when I was on a, um, on a platform while visiting New York City. And I saw this woman reading this handbook who was kind of, she seemed to me like she was restarting because she was, it was ESL, she was learning English. And I kept thinking about a lot of the women that I grew up with who were, um, who were laid off in, during the Great Recession because many factories moved out to other countries or had closed down. Um, and I was thinking about what does it mean to start over? And when Cara Romero came to me that day <laughs> and I started writing down her story and I started getting to know her, I realized that in the hustle of trying to survive and pay the rent, part of her life's work is also making sure she was available to be there for those that are in need that depended on her. Mm. Um, so it wasn't like a why, but it was almost like as I was getting to know her, I started to realize the value of, you know, when we use these languages about what does it mean to be unemployed? What does, you know, as someone who grew up immigrant and getting a job with benefits seemed to be like the biggest goal in the family. Like we should all secure a job with benefits. We should all secure money so we don't retire poor. Um, and it felt like such a, we were, there were so much aspirations toward that goal. When we think about unemployment, it's, it's heart crushing one because you can't pay the bills, but also because you're not validated as a person or, or not seen as mm -hmm. a successful being. I feel like highlighting someone like Cara Romero, who has such a rich and valuable life, even while not being employed, decenters the ways that we value money, capitalism, progress. And maybe we can rethink that actually having time and energy to be there for each other also has great value and also is a wealth. Oh, I love that sentiment so much. Um, so I'm a huge nerd for creative structure in novels. And the way that you wrote this, the story unfolds over a series of sessions in a career counselor's office. Why was that important to you? I mean, you know, as a writer, um, are you a writer? <laughs> I am a writer. <laughs> so you're a writer. So as you know, like, you know, you enter a book one way and something else happens as you're writing it. And, you know, when I initially started this book, the way... Um, Cara Romero came to me, her voice very, very strong that day that I, I was telling you on the subway platform. And the first section of the book, I wrote it on my phone while on, the tr on a commute, right? Mm. And I basically um, downloaded 50, 40 questions. It was like 40 or 50 popular interview questions. And the first one was, tell me something about yourself. And Cara Romero said, you want to know something about myself? I'll tell you about myself. I came to this country because he wanted to kill me. My husband wanted to kill me. And when she said that to me, 
of course, all in my imagination, <laughs> I was like, okay, tell me more. And I typed really quickly on my phone these 500 words as I, until I got to my destination. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do this every time I'm on a train, on a plane, on a bus. I'm going to ask Carajomero a new question. And I basically did that for a year, asking her questions like, what are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? You know, what are your, you know, what is your dream job? Like all these questions we ask that we're trained to answer in a certain way, but Cara Romero answers them candidly, right? <laughs> so now I have this manuscript with this wild voice that full of tangents. And I said, wait, this is not a novel. This is Cara Romero telling me her life story. And I had to figure out, well, how do I create a, a constraint or a structure around all this language I have? So when a reader reads it, it feels like a novel. And mm -hmm. um, there were many re reiterations of the book. Um, but finally, I was like, okay, imagine her going to a session. She's training for a job. She's speaking to someone in the community. Um, and I, re you know, I took what I could to make sense of the arcs that I uh, imagined for Kata. And then I realized I need a counter narrative. And that's where the documents came in. Because I thought, you know, so much of her life is um, uh, policed by or, you know, um, working around these documents. They let her in mm -hmm. or they keep her out or they scare her. And this is something is true for all of us. You know, getting our name on the lease, applying for citizenship, you know. That's such a great point. Um, applying for a job. And yet it's very invisible, Right. It's kind of stuff we're all doing, but we don't really think about and we don't we often just have to answer the questions. And so much is about performance. And I say, what if you don't perform? What if we're answering honestly? It's like satirical in a way, because then she is now responding and it's critiques directly how these systems are really not functioning or working for everybody who lives in this country. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. And so what is it about your protagonist that you hope will ultimately resonate with readers? You know, I never, I don't have an expectation for the reader because I feel like readers enter this book in very different ways. And in fact, mm -hmm. every time I do an interview, I'm, I'm constantly surprised by the reader and what they reflect back to me in the book. And I feel like um, that's what's so exciting about literature, right? Like I read books in, in certain ways that to me, I felt saved me. And when I would talk about the book with someone else, they read it in a completely different way. And, and I think about how not to drown in a glass of water, thinking how Cara Romero, if you read her and you're, you know, you're facing gentrification in your neighborhood, that's really going to resonate with you. And you're going to see a lot of the ways that systemically we're kind of screwed. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of the emotions around that will kind of take precedence over maybe other things. Like, let's say you're estranged from your parents. I mean, a big story arc in the novel is also that 
Scott Arnold Middle has estranged her son. Right. Um, and if you have suffered estrangement from your family for whatever reason, that's the part that's going to really move you. And all of this to say that when someone reads the book, what I hope is that they move in the world and just maybe ask more questions Hmm. and listen to what people are really saying and give people space to tell their stories or to be messy in the way they tell stories. I feel like we're all so busy sometimes. Like I've noticed this busyness where we cut people off or we don't give them an opportunity to even fail in their own thinking while they're processing something. And I feel like Cara Romero forces everyone to listen to her for you know the five hours it will take you to read this book um, and just get to know her as a whole person. And if you have this experience with her, like maybe you'll have this experience, you'll try to have this experience with other people in the world that you meet every day. That's a great place to land. Um, Angie Cruz is the author of How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water and an associate professor of English at the University of Pittsburgh. Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And you can catch Angie here in town tomorrow night. That's Tuesday at City of Asylum on the north side. We'll have all the details in our show notes. A little news before you go. Pittsburgh Public Schools is partnering with the city on a workforce development program to help prepare kids for careers in, quote, high demand fields, everything from healthcare to robotics. Students will have access to internships and entry-level jobs with dozens of companies plus city government. Pennsylvania is launching a free school breakfast program. It starts next month and runs through the end of the school year. 1.7 million kids will be eligible. The federal government made school meals free for pretty much all public school students during the pandemic, but that program came to an end after Republicans blocked an attempt to extend it. And if you're looking for slightly more adult content, Pittsburgh Brewing Company has a new limited edition beer can featuring former Steelers coach Bill Cower. The company behind our iconic Iron City beer recently moved into a new facility in East Deer and plans to put out more commemorative cans. So let us know what you think. Who else should end up on a local beer can? That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you soon. Strangers were coming up to me being like, oh my God, like, can I please pose with your giant tote bag? (laughs) 